If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. Brothers, if anyone is caught in a transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. Bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. For if anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. Faithful are the wounds of a friend, profuse are the kisses of an enemy. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray together. Father God, we come to this time and we sit under these words, and I recognize, Father, that as we come to this time, that we do come from all kinds of different places. Some of us come here and uh, we are uh, the recipients of all kinds of faithfulness. Some of us come here and we have been um, shown the faithfulness of many friends. Others of us come here and we have been wounded in all kinds of different ways. Lord, I pray that whatever place we find ourselves in today, whether we have been built up by many or whether we have been torn down in all kinds of ways, whether we are uh, here believing in you and trusting in you, or whether we are here not quite sure what we think about you, uh, whether we are here uh, in much joy, or whether we are here in dealing with all kinds of grief. Lord, I pray that you would give us grace to see that in the way that matters the most, that we come ultimately the same an overwhelming and an unrelenting need to hear from you, to know you, to be changed by you. Would you open our eyes? Would you give us grace today to show us how you are at work in this world, how you are at work in our lives, to grow us, to change us, to show us the person and the power of Jesus Christ? Because it it is in his name that we do pray today. Amen. Amen. Well, good morning and welcome. Uh, we are in our sermon series that we are calling Friend of Sinners. And this is continuing uh, a theme that we began this year in the month of September, uh, whereby I started a, a message where I was saying that if we're going to move forward as a church in this year, this COVID year, uh, this year of pandemic, this year of loss, uh, this year of national challenge, if we were going to be the church in this kind of challenging season, that what I was sensing God was calling for us to be is to be the kind of uncommon community whereby we move forward leaning into Christian friendship in such a way that we embrace friendship that leads to discipleship that we embrace a kind of uncommon friendship with one another, right? Friendship that the world does not understand, friendship that crosses political lines, friendship that crosses even theological lines, friendship that embraces each other with all of our messiness, with all of our sins, with all of our weakness, with all of our authenticness in such a way that the world cannot fathom in such a way that is absolutely beautiful, that pictures the Lord Jesus Christ, 
that if we are to do this, that we will move forward with a kind of missional power and gospel power that I believe will change this city in the way that is precisely the need at this time and moment and place. Uh, And I'm beginning to see pictures of this, uh, even in our own community. And so we've been talking about this in various ways. We talked about it in the Song of Songs, looking particularly uh, in the aspect of romantic relationship. And now we're looking at it more in the context of more platonic relationship. And today we're going to look at this head on. We're going to look at this head on because we're going to talk about the precise instance of how to talk to one another when it's time to talk about the question of sin, right? So we've been beating around the bush a little bit. We've been talking about, you know, how do you move forward when you are in a friendship with someone and, you know, there's this, there's this situation that comes up where you're in, a, you're in a close friendship with someone and the idea is, well, what happens when someone is a sinner? That's fine up until the moment that they happen to sin against you that they happen, to, they happen to cross a line, and all of a sudden, they cross a line with you. And, and what I've noticed and what our culture is, is showing us is that as soon as that line is crossed, you know, our instinct in this day is we censure. That's the old Presbyterian word, right? The common word today is cancel. But it used to be called, you know, Presbyterians, we were canceling before anyone did. We were awesome at it. We called it censuring, Right? We, we were, listen, no one, no one did it before the Presbyterians did it. We have, we've, I have documented proof, 1600s, right? We had various levels of censuring, right? I was censured before anyone, no. So we, we, we were doing this long ago, but now it's, it's really common and really uh, in vogue and all this. Uh, and what I've noticed in, in relationships, it's really, it's, it's happening more than I've ever seen it happen before, where, you know, lines are crossed, oh, you're, you're posting this, well, now I have to think of you differently because now you've crossed a line, now I think that you're in this category, and I can't be, I can't be close to you anymore because now I'm not sure that you're, you're able to be someone that I can trust anymore because you might think this way or believe this way or you do this or you... You embrace this. And the scripture calls us to be friends with one another in the context of a, real, of a community of sinners. That is, the, that is the basic idea of the church, and this passage is going to bring this out. However, it calls us to be in a community of sinners that engage with one another over our sins in a certain way. Right, so that's what we're going to see uh, in this. Now, I want to set this up for you with the utmost of care, okay? I want to set this up with you with the utmost of care because I want to get this out of the way. This passage, if, if you've ever read this passage or, or you know, experienced this, there are two errors to to trying to embrace the teaching of this passage that I want to help us avoid with all of my heart and all of my soul. All right, this passage will talk and will guide us into the practice of talking to one another 
about our sins. And there's two errors that I want us to avoid with every ounce of my being, okay? And I really want to curse, but I know that I shouldn't, okay? I curse in private, but I know that I, would, I, know I will regret it with every ounce of my being, so I'm not going to. Um, so, the first error is, and Laura is laughing. She knows that I want to. The first error is, we don't want to be that person, right? We don't want to be a jerk, right? I'm toning down my rhetoric, right? Has anyone ever experienced a Christian jerk? Has it, come on. Has anyone ever experienced a Christian jerk? Now, I'm going to ask you to be courageous, all right? And has anyone ever been a Christian jerk? All right. Is anyone lying right now? <laughs> right? We at Ironworks especially, at Ironworks especially, we do not want to be Christian jerks. Right? And I'm toning this down for the live stream. Okay? We do not want to be that person. Right? So I have been, uh, Chrissy and I went to a fundamentalist Bible Institute, and we left Christian jerks, right? We were that way for a year, and we had to detox. And, um, you know, we left just confronting everyone in sight. We were, you know, on the way home and at the restaurant, confront, come home to our church, confront, you know, all the time. And our poor friends from our home church, I mean, those people, you know, loved us so well as we just... Um, you know, lived this passage so horribly, right? That's error number one, is you just confront all the time without any concern for actually doing this right. That's error number one. Error number two is you don't confront at all. You just, you just don't say anything remotely challenging to anyone. You know, you're just like, oh, that's too difficult. If something's remotely challenging to anyone, I just don't say it because just let people do whatever they're going to do, and that's fine. Right? Just let people do whatever they're going to do. And you know what normally happens in option number two, by the way? This is what normally happens in option number two, which is just as bad as option number one. You know what it is? You don't, you don't confront the person about what they're doing. You talk to other people about what they're doing. Right? So instead of having the courage to say to Darren, you know, Darren, I really think that maybe you shouldn't curse on the live stream. You just talk to everyone else about, you know, I really think Darren shouldn't curse on the live stream, <laughs> right? And that, that's, that's, that's where option number two plays out. It plays out in saying, it plays out in gossip primarily, or, you know, in the lack of courage to confront, you know, you know that there's an impulse to do it, but without the courage, it plays out differently. That's not healthy either, right? So is there any way to avoid these two errors? I think there is. I think a careful study of this passage will lay this out. Um, I have, I think that actually Ironworks, from what I have observed, I think that you all have done extraordinary in this passage. Someone asked me, I was telling someone yesterday, I said, yeah, I'm preaching this passage. And the person said, is this... Um, is this in response to a problem you're seeing, or is this more like just, you know, trying to keep it 
keep it healthy. And I said, you know, we're just trying to keep it healthy, I think. I, I think that actually Ironworks is doing relatively speaking well in this way, but um, I, I offer it to you because I want us to continue to do well, but to do even better. So let's look at this passage, careful. Wherever you are on this spectrum, I think that we probably, being kind of in our, our way, we probably lean, if we had to pick, where do you think we lean? More towards error number one or more towards error number two? Lift up, lift up a finger. I see two, 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 one, two. Yeah, I think probably two. If you had to lean towards one, I'd prefer you lean towards two. Um, yes. But, but that having said that, um, Let's, let's, let's uh, correct our errors this morning, so let's get into it together. All right, so number one, uh, let's recognize that this is essential, right? So as Ironworks, being kind of a little anti-legalistic as we are, which I love, uh, God does call us to be about the business of restoration, right? That's verse one. Brothers, if anyone is caught in a transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him, right? The idea is that we are to be about the business of restoring. This idea of caught is that, is that you find someone literally in a trap. You know, the, the, the metaphor is that you're in the woods and you find, you find someone whose foot is caught in a bear trap of sorts, right? If you're a hunter, you know, maybe that metaphor is helpful to you. You find someone just in a trap, completely uh, unable to get free, and you're able to go and to pull the trap off and help them into freedom. And that is the metaphor uh, at work here today. So uh, that is what uh, we are to be about. And what Jesus uh, is, sets this up in, in verse 2, is... The idea is that to do this is to fulfill the law of Christ. So if you are going to do this well, what you are going to be doing is to fulfill the law of Christ. Now, what in the world is that talking about? This is kind of mysterious, the law of Christ. Well, what I think this is talking about is it's a reference back to when Jesus says, as I have loved you, so you ought to love one another. Right? As I have loved you, so you ought to love one another. And of course, what Jesus is talking about is his sacrificial love, right? I, as I lay down my life for you, so you lay down your lives for one another. And that seems to be confirmed in verse 2 because he says this, bear one another's burdens. So if you're going to be doing this work, right, if you're actually going to be doing this work, what you're going to be doing is bearing a burden. So if you're going to choose to do this work, you are going to be making a significant sacrifice, Right? Should you choose to do this, you are going to be bearing a weight. That's, that's one way you know you will be doing it right, is that you will be taking on a significant weight that is compared to the weight that Christ bore. That is what I think this text is getting at. You will be fulfilling the law of Christ. Right? So this is no easy thing. This is not something that you rush into. This is something that you tremble into, right? That is why, you know, the going, confronting quickly is one of the more foolish things that you can do. It is why it is, it is there's a, a lot of reasons it's really foolish to confront quickly. This is one of them. Because to do this is to bear a significant weight, right? That's uh, verse 2. 
what's going on. So, first of all, uh, it's, it is a significant way of loving a person, but to love them well and to do this well, you bear a significant weight. That's the first thing. The second thing is this activity can only be done in the power of the Holy Spirit, right? That's verse 25. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step by the Spirit, right? And then it's contrasted in verse 26 to the opposite of that, which is to live in arrogance. And then in verse 1, it's uh, contrasted again, arrogance is contrasted again to the spiritual person seeking out of his connection to the Holy Spirit, restoring someone in what? A spirit of gentleness, right? So you have a spirit of arrogance contrasted with a spirit of gentleness, right? The Holy Spirit always moves in a spirit of humility towards the good of another human being. So that is where we are. The Holy Spirit is moving us towards bearing a weight, and it does so out of a sincere love for a person that recognizes that in order to do so, that we will bear a significant cost. Now, as is my pattern in all of these sermons, we will be quoting Dietrich Bonhoeffer, uh, whom I commend to you, uh, his book, Life Together. This is what he says, nothing can be more cruel than the leniency which abandons others to their own sin. Nothing can be more compassionate than the severe reprimand which calls another Christian in one's community back from the path of sin. Right? So the idea is that if you love someone another well, that you will readily engage in this activity recognizing the cost, but you will do so um, out of love and concern for that other person, but you will do so using the means that God, provide, that God provides in the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, how do you do that? How do you seek the Holy Spirit? How do you seek his power? How do you seek his transformation? What are some guideposts to keep in mind? Well, I think the overriding theme in this passage that is one of the more helpful uh, kind of guideposts to keep in mind is the guidepost of humility. And this is perhaps where this, uh, this experience has been perhaps the most unpleasant for us all, hasn't it? Right? Nothing, in, nothing perhaps has been more unpleasant for you in this way than being confronted out of arrogance. And, and that's confirmed perhaps by this passage because it says that you should restore someone in a spirit of gentleness and keeping watch on yourself. You should, you should do so bearing the burden. And then verse 3, look at this repeated yet again. Uh, thinking that you are nothing, right? Because if anyone thinks that he is something, when he is nothing, he deceives himself. Look at the apostle's emphasis on humility. He, could he say it any stronger, right? And this, this gets us back to the words of our Lord Jesus, right? When he says, take the plank out of your own eye, then you will see clearly in order to restore your brother. What is he saying? He's saying arrogance makes you unable to see. You cannot see when you are arrogant. What is Jesus? Jesus is not saying don't confront another person. He's saying 
Arrogance makes you unable to see. It's like trying to pilot the airplane when you've got, you know, covers over your eyes. Do you want the pilot to be landing the plane without his glasses on, right? No, you want the glasses on, and then you still want him to land the plane, right? What you should have done was land your plane, right? But you should wear your glasses. In the same way, you should, you should restore your brother or sister, but you have to see clearly, right? That's the whole point. The whole point is that you need to embrace humility, and then you can see clearly, Right? And that is what the apostle is saying here, too, is that when, when you live in arrogance, you cannot see clearly. And so humility is so close to the passion of the Holy Spirit that when you embrace humility, when you are living in step with the Spirit, then you can see clearly uh, to embrace, then you can see clearly to truly love someone as the Spirit is loving them. Right? Let me uh, read to you another quote from Bonhoeffer, so helpful. Uh, this is what he says, talking about just the, the value of relationships when it comes to confession. He says, why is it that it is often easier to confess our sins to God than to a brother? God is holy and sinless. He is a just judge of evil and the enemy of all disobedience, but a brother is sinful as we are. He knows from his own experience the dark night of secret sin. Why should we not find it easier to go to a brother than to the holy God? But if we do, we must ask ourselves whether we have not often been deceiving ourselves with our confession of sin to God. Whether we have not rather been confessing our sins to ourselves and also granting ourselves absolution. Who can give us the certainty that in our confession and the forgiveness of our sins, we are not dealing with ourselves, but with the living God? God gives us this certainty through our brother. Our brother breaks the circle of self-deception. A man who confesses his sins in the presence of a brother knows that he is no longer alone with himself. He experiences the presence of God in the reality of the other person. Amen. Well, uh, ones that turn just uh, briefly to this last passage here, the Proverbs passage, it says, faithful are the wounds of a friend. And as this passage is sort of, I think, connected to uh, our Galatians passage, it's talking about when a friend wounds you, it's an expression of his faithfulness, right? When a friend wounds you, it is an expression of his faithfulness. And I was thinking about this and thinking about times that I've been wounded by a friend and how it's built me up. And um, it, it occurred to me that there's no greater picture of Proverbs 27:36, right? There's no greater picture of Proverbs 27:36 than the Lord Jesus Christ receiving the wounds that he did on our behalf. Right, that the Lord Jesus Christ is actually taking upon himself the wounds that are due you and I in order to bring the deepest healing. You see, the Lord Jesus Christ 
takes upon himself all of our sin and our shame. He, he does what a friend cannot do, right? He brings to us not just uh, confrontation, but he actually takes on the wounds themselves. He goes far beyond what any friend can or ever has done so that all the healing that we long for can be, can be ours. And friends, if you believe this, we're going to come to this table. Those of you who are Christians, we're going to invite you to come to this table. And I want to tell you that if you're a Christian today, or if you'll become a Christian in, in the days to come, if, if you truly believe these things, then, then when, a, when a brother or sister brings to you a concern, then you can genuinely hear that, right? You can genuinely consider anything that's brought because nothing that anyone can ever say to you can ever rise to the level of what this table is actually saying about you, can it? Right? No one ever has ever criticized me anywhere close to what this table is actually saying that's true about me. Right? In fact, the, the, the worst criticism that's ever been made about me is, is pales in comparison to what's actually said about me in this table. Right? That I'm so flawed and so problematic that the Lord Jesus Christ had to suffer and die and be wounded so that I could be healed. That's what this table says about you, doesn't it? And, and if you embrace that, then you can have friendships where, with one another where you can say, look, speak into my life. Tell me, bring me the honest truth. Tell me what you really think so that I can grow and change, so that I can know you and, and you can know me and that we can walk together in peace so that we can sharpen one another. You know, some, I often am asked the question, why do we call this place Ironworks? That's so weird, right? Well, one reason is, of course, our town's history. And if people outside of Ironworks, if people outside of Phoenixville don't understand that. That's all right. But then the second reason, right, is from the Proverbs, as iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens one another. The idea is of a community that's sharpening one another, right, of, of speaking into each other's lives powerfully. And if we believe the gospel, then we can sharpen each other powerfully. But if we don't sit at this table, if we don't allow Christ to heal us by his wounds, then we will never be able to live this passage. We will only be able to go surface level deep with one another. We will, we will keep each other at arm's distance. We will censure one another as soon as those lines are crossed. And we will be lonely people the rest of our lives. But if we embrace this, then we will, we will live deep and full and authentic lives of real Christian community. And I long for that for you. So may it be true for us in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Let me pray for us. Father God, we do praise you. Holy Spirit, we adore you. And I pray that you would create in us a genuine Christian community. I pray that you would work this in us. I pray that you would transform us by your power and grace. For we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Would you please stand as we come and approach this table?